The crimes that were committed on that brutal July night were so far out of the range of normal understanding that now, more than three years later, we still find it difficult to accept that they happened in one of our communities. I have long believed that there are certain crimes so heinous, so depraved, that society is best served imposing the ultimate sanction on the criminal. Stephen Hayes stands convicted of such crimes and today the jury has recommended that he should be subjected to the death penalty. I agree. Governor Jody Rell, November 8, 2010. This was the Cheshire family murders and this is the good, the bad and the pure evil. The evening of July 22, 2007, Jennifer Hawk Petit and her daughter Michaela was 11, went to the local grocery store in Cheshire. A very typical non-eventful chore we all do. The pair was getting food for dinner that night, a dinner Michaela was going to help with. While in the store, a man watched them. His name was Joshua Commissar Jessicki. He took interest in the mother and daughter and followed them home. Later, prosecutors would argue Joshua's motive was money and Michaela, who he later sexually assaulted. Stephen Hayes would text Joshua around this stalking time, saying, quote, I'm chomping at the bites to get started. Need a margarita soon, end quote. When Joshua didn't respond, Stephen texted again, asking if they were still on. Joshua responded with one word, yes. Not happy with the lack of details, Stephen sent another text saying, soon, question mark. Joshua frustrated replied, quote, I'm putting the kid to bed, hold your horses, end quote. Wanting in what, on what was going on, Stephen replied, quote, Dude, the horses want to get loose, lol, end quote. Later, Stephen's confession would say he and Joshua were going to rob the Petit family. They would leave the family bound, scared and unharmed, but that's not exactly what happened. The pair entered the home the early hours of July 23rd. They found Dr. Petit asleep on the sofa in the sunroom. Joshua had entered the home from the basement where he found and armed himself with a baseball bat before heading upstairs. Entering the sunroom, he used the bat on Dr. Petit, hitting him over four times. He and Stephen bound the doctor's wrists and ankles with zip ties and rope. Dr. Petit remembers the intruders telling him if he moves, they will put two bullets in him. The wife and two daughters were bound in their rooms. They were tied by their wrists and ankles to the bedpost and pillowcases placed over their head. Once all were tied up, Joshua and Stephen tossed the house for cash. They took the doctor to the basement tying him to a supporting pole. The men continued to toss the house for cash, but were not happy with what they found. Stephen would leave. A CCTV caught him at a gas station getting two cans of gasoline for $10. He then went back to the petite home. When he got back, he took Jennifer, the mother, to the bank. Later, prosecution claimed this was evidence of premeditated murder. Alone, Joshua sexually abused the two girls in the home, 
documenting the crimes by videoing them on his phone. Stephen made Jennifer draw $15,000 when the bank opened. Jennifer was able to tell the bank teller the men had her family hostage in their home, threatening to kill them all. The teller got word to a manager who called 911 while Jennifer still dealt with the teller, but she left before help arrived. The manager told dispatchers Jennifer indicated the men only wanted money. Cheshire police set up a vehicle perimeter without revealing themselves. The men's crimes though had escalated. Joshua had sexually assaulted 11-year-old Michaela, only confessing to it much later in interrogations. Evidence of Michaela's rape was found in her autopsy by state medical examiner Dr. Wayne Carver. Joshua photographed the assault and rape on his phone. During his interrogation, he would say that he thought Michaela was older, 15 or 16. Forensic testing showed bleach on Michaela's clothing. Given the appearance, Joshua tried to clean DNA from the assault. Stephen raped Jennifer, blaming Joshua for it by provoking him. Dr. Petit could hear his wife's assault. He yelled out for them to stop. He managed to get free and escaped to get help. When asked later about the escape, he spoke about a jolt of adrenaline and the need to escape, saying, quote, I thought it's now or never, because in my mind at that moment, I thought they were going to shoot us all, end quote. With the doctor gone, Joshua ran to tell Stephen, who was still raping Jennifer. Stephen then strangled her. Stephen and Joshua then poured gasoline on her in the house on the daughters who were still alive tied to the beds. Accelerant was found in the daughters' beds and clothing. Stephen and Joshua started the fire and ran. The daughters, Haley and Michaela, were still inside. They would succumb to smoke inhalation. Haley, the oldest, got free at some stage from her restraints. She made it to the top of the stairs before collapsing and dying. Third and fourth degree burns were found on her feet, suggesting she was close to the fire when she died. The medical examiner couldn't say if the burns happened before or after death. Michaela was found in her bed still tied with the lower part of her body hanging off the bed. Like Haley, she had burns, which could not be identified if they happened while she was alive or dead. After escaping, Dr. Petit crawled into a neighbour's yard for help. The neighbour at first didn't know it was Petit because of how badly injured he was. Stephen and Joshua stole the family car and fled. Police surveillance immediately spotted them and went after them. The pair were arrested a block away after crashing into a police car. From start to finish, the home invasion lasted seven hours. The pair confessed to murdering the girls and the mother. Detectives would say Stephen reeked of gasoline while being interrogated. Each man blamed the other as the mastermind of the invasion. Joshua even pointed blame to Dr. Petit. A diary of Joshua's was entered into evidence and in it he called Dr. Petit a coward, saying he could have saved his family if he wanted to. Looking at the victims, you have the mother and wife, Jennifer Hawke Petit. 
She was a nurse and coordinator of Cheshire Academy or Private Boarding School. In 1985, she met her husband at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. She was an ecology nurse and he a third year med student. They married shortly after meeting in 1985. The daughters you have the oldest Haley, who has just graduated from Miss Porter School, a private college. She played sports and was home rule student. She was set to attend Dartmouth to study medicine. Their mother Jennifer would be diagnosed with MS after this Haley was active in fundraising for MS research. She captained walk MS team called Haley's Hope. Michaela was the youngest and she was attending a private school. She was hoping to take over Haley's Hope when Haley went to Dartmouth, renaming it Michaela's Miracle. Michaela liked to cook, often cooking for the family. And then you have the father, Dr. William Petit, the only survivor. He was an endocrinologist in Plainville. He also was a medical director of the Jocelyn Diabetes Center at Connecticut Central Hospital. After the murders, he didn't return to medicine. Instead, he became active in the foundations to honor his family's memories. He successfully campaigned for Connecticut General Assembly and now serves as state representative. As for the perpetrators, you have Stephen Hayes. In 1980, he was convicted of a crime as an adult. He was paroled in 1982, but within weeks violated it. From this until the Cheshire murders, Stephen was arrested 30 times. His last arrest before the murders was in 2004, when he smashed a car window to steal a woman's purse. Paroled in 2006, he went to a halfway house named Silliman, and here is where he met Joshua. Stephen was found guilty on 16 counts related to the Cheshire murders on October 5th, 2010. November 8, 2010, the jury came back with a recommendation to execute. December 2, 2010, the Superior Court judge formally sentenced him to death. But in 2015, the sentence was vacated by the Connecticut Supreme Court to life in prison. Joshua Komisarjefsky was Stephen's co-conspirator in the home invasions and murders. He was born to teen parents and adopted by Benedict and Jude Komisarjefsky. Early 90s, Joshua's sister accused him of sexually assaulting her. In the penalty phase of the trial, their father would indicate the assault was probably true. At 14, he started burglaring. In 2002, he was arrested for 18 home invasions. His defense attorney at the time remarked how Joshua could tell him each and every burglary in perfect step-by-step -step detail. He said once he completed the robbery, he would enter the rooms of those inside sleeping just to listen to them breathing. He would go on to explain he did this as he enjoyed the rush he got, invading the homes and violating their security. Joshua was convicted of 12 counts burglary December 2002. He was sentenced to nine years with six years of special parole. In sentencing, the judge James Bentevigna said Joshua was, quote, a calculated cold-blooded predator, end quote. April 2007, Joshua was paroled. Connecticut law had prosecutors send the parole board a transcript of sentencing procedures. 
but the parole board that released Joshua never got the transcript. I wasn't aware of all the details regarding his case. Once paroled, Joshua stayed at the halfway house, Silliman. From the arrest of the murders, Joshua remained at Walk Reception Centre in lieu of a $15 million bond until his conviction. His trial began September 19, 2011, and on October 13, 2011, he was convicted on all 17 counts. December 9, 2011, the jury recommended a death penalty by lethal injection. But 2015, like Stephen Hayes, the Connecticut Supreme Court vacated the sentence to life in prison. August 16, 2016, the men were transferred to separate prisons in Pennsylvania. August 18th, after being transferred, Joshua tried to commit suicide by hanging. Joshua is currently looking for a retrial. He claims his attorneys weren't provided with recordings that would help his case. Apparently, they were destroyed in a lightning strike in 2010. In 2014, backups were found at Cheshire Town Hall. Joshua's attorneys argued these recordings could help their point that police were inadequate in their response and so questions of credibility about their testimony could be raised. Joshua also says he didn't receive a fair trial due to the location. The request to move the trial was denied. September 2019, the case was heard by Connecticut Supreme Court and on April 12, 2021, Joshua's appeal was rejected in a 7-0 decision. October 2019, Stephen Hayes came out as transgender and is undergoing hormone therapy in prison to transition to female. So looking back at the trials, Stephen Hayes was first on September 13, 2010. The jury was seven women and five men. His defense attorneys blamed Joshua as the mastermind and that he was responsible for the violence. Prosecutors argued both men were equally at fault. The jury deliberated for five hours, finding him guilty on October 5th. Sentencing began October 18th, 2010. Deliberations began November 5th. By day's end, they were split on life or death. The second day began November 6th. The defense attorney instructed the jury life would be the harshest punishment to his client. He would claim to Stephen it was a fate worse than death. He'd go on to say, quote, if you want to end his misery, put him to death. If you want to suffer and carry the burden forever, the guilt, shame and humiliation, sentence him to life without the possibility of release, end quote. This obviously was an attempt to avoid a death penalty, but November 8, 2010, the jury recommended Stephen Hayes should be executed. 17 hours over four days, the jury deliberated so they could weigh all evidence properly. Before trial, Stephen tried to negotiate a plea in exchange for life, not death, but prosecutors wanted a death penalty, so they went ahead to trial. A press conference after the verdict, Dr. Petit said, quote, We all know that God will be the final arbiter and I think the defendant faces far more serious punishment from the Lord than he could ever face from mankind." End quote. For the first time ever in the state's history, Connecticut State Judicial Branch offered post-traumatic stress assistance to jurors 
who served a long two months on the triple murder trial. This was due to the disturbing images they had to see and to the horrific testimonies they had to hear. December 2, 2010, Stephen Hayes apologised for the pain and suffering he caused to family. Judge Blue gave six death sentences, one for each of the capital charges. He added a sentence of 106 years for the crimes in the house invasions, including kidnapping, burglary and assaults. The judge ended with, quote, this is a terrible sentence, but is, in truth, a sentence you wrote for yourself in flames. May God have mercy on your soul, end quote. As a formality and execution date, May 27, 2011, was given. Although, with appeals, this would be delayed for years. The state would abolish capital punishment and Stephen's death sentence became life in prison in August 2015. Joshua Komisarjewski, his trial at first was postponed and a plea was tried to accept guilty and get life, but prosecutors like in Stevens wanted a death penalty. The trial started September 19, 2011. At first, the attorneys tried to blame Stephen Hayes, seeing he was the mastermind and Joshua was confused easily led who didn't intend killing anyone. October 13, 2011, Joshua was found guilty. December 9, 2011, the jury recommended the death penalty. January 27, 2012, Joshua was sentenced to a death by lethal injection. Judge Blue would this time say, quote, this is a terrible sentence, but it's one you wrote yourself with deeds of an unimaginable horror and savagery, end quote. Joshua gave a statement saying, quote, I will never find peace within. My life will be a continuation of the hurt I caused. The clock is now ticking and I owe a debt I cannot repay, end quote. Joshua would admit his part in the crimes but insisted he didn't intend anyone to die. In the victim's impact statement, Dr. Petit said the crime to him was a personal holocaust, saying, quote, I have a difficult time sleeping and trusting anymore. I hope to continue to honour my family. I push forward in the hope that good will overcome evil, end quote. Joshua's execution was set July 20, 2012. Again, delays had it pushed. And then, like Stevens, it was overturned to life in prison in August 2015. The crime had a huge impact on Connecticut laws regarding the death penalty. It would be cited as a reason that any repeal of capital punishment in the state should not extend to those already on death row. 2009, Connecticut General Assembly sent legislation to abolish the state's death penalty to Governor Jody Reld to sign into law. But June 5, 2009, Reld vetoed the bill and cited the Cheshire murders as reason for denying it. April 11, 2012, Connecticut House representatives voted to repeal capital punishment for future cases. April 25th, Governor Malloy signed a bill into law. August 2015, Connecticut Supreme Court declared all capital punishment inconsistent with the state's constitution, so having all death sentences, now life in prison. 
the Cheshire murders had immediate calls to reform Connecticut criminal justice system. July 31, 2007, Governor Rell ordered electric monitoring of paroled burglaries. September 21st, she barred parole of violent offenders and those already on parole, ordering reviews on them. July 31st, Rell called a special session to continue and consider tougher crime legislation. And then, August 31st, she appointed a task force to look into and examine the criminal justice system. January 25th, 2008, Rell signed a bipartisan crime bill which was 43 pages long. Home invasions would be a new class resulting in a prison sentence of up to 25 years. From the bill, an upgraded computer system was paid for to help law enforcement agencies. 2007, Dr. Petit established the Michaela Rose Petit 14 Scholarship Fund of the Chase College School. He also established the Haley's Hope and Michaela's Miracle MS Memorial Fund. January 6, 2008, 130,000 candles were lit in front of thousands of homes in Cheshire for Cheshire's Lights of Hope fundraising for MS and tribute to the Petit family. The event was set up by local couple De Walshels and raised $100,000 to the girls' memorial funds. August 5th, 2012, Petit married a woman called Christine and they had a son in 2013. He currently serves in the Connecticut House of Representatives. He condemned the abolition of death sentences in 2015, believing the court overstepped, urging them to reconsider, but they did not. The men who invaded his home and killed his entire family are in prison now for life, destroying his life and home for no other reason than pure evil. And that is the Cheshire murder story. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe on my YouTube channel to keep up with all stories. Or join me next time for the story of John Lennon, an English singer, songwriter, musician and peace activist. He achieved worldwide fame as founder, co-songwriter, co-lead, vocalist and guitarist of the Beatles. Sadly though, he will be shot and killed by Beatles fan Mark Chapman. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.